0: hebrews chapter 10 is where we'll be at we're going to finish uh kind of what we started uh last week with the title of we have let us and uh, we're going to read some verses here of scripture and uh, we started we started this first part of what we have in christ as believers but then we're going to look into the part of uh, let us so let's do this let's pray real quick and uh, then we'll get into our study Lord we come to you this evening father and I know there's already been time of prayer but father we just want to praise you for being God thank you for being God that's able to hear our prayer to answer our prayer and Lord we do pray in all the situations that have been thought about that have been talked about and Lord, Lord those that even haven't been maybe that are extra close to our heart tonight Lord we pray for your will to be done Lord I pray you would help us in accepting that will and doing our part and Lord I just pray as we gather together just for a few minutes here the father you would speak through your word lord thank you for the people that are here lord encouragement is to see them lord, i pray you bless them their jobs their families their relationships lord ultimately their relationship with you may it be strengthened may it be encouraged lord again has been prayed for the ones working with teens and children lord tonight bless them be with them and lord i just pray that you would just help us as we open your word tonight lord and not just here at our church but lord churches all across our country lord as people gather together to pray and read scripture lord i do pray for my church back in tennessee tonight lord as they have their meeting i pray lord that you might just rule and overrule that situation help there thank you for all you do in jesus name amen all right so we're going to be in hebrews chapter number 10 and we started with the idea of these things that we have in christ because we have christ or the sacrifice of christ There are some things that we have, therefore there's things we should do. We have these things, let us do these things. So we're going to start reading, picking up where we left off, in uh, verse number 22, and I'm going to read verses 22 through 25 of Hebrews 10. Verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so we looked at last week and even the week before then the idea, if you read chapter 10 up to this part, it talks about how Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice once and for all, and that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Because remember, he's talking to a group of people that they grew up with the old testament system that every time they sinned every time they did wrong they had to run to the tabernacle and they would have to confess sin they were showed where they were wrong they would pray they would sacrifice a lamb or or goat or something and then they would go back out and they had to constantly keep doing that and doing that and doing that and jesus says i've come the lamb that's slain once and for all there's no more need there's no more need for sacrifice there's no more need for that And we looked at the beginning, starting in verses 19, 20, and 21, of what we have in Christ. And we saw those things. And we started looking at last week and we stopped with the idea of this. If we have these things, then let us do some things. It should make us go forward. If these things are true, let us do these things. And here's the uh, first one that we kind of were looking at last week was this let us draw near. Look in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart. Now, drawing near with a true heart or what we could say a sincere heart it kind of has to answer a couple of questions if i'm going to draw closer to christ that he is my savior he is my sacrifice i have this gift of salvation then god desires he says if this is true we have this salvation then let us draw closer to christ but how with a true heart but there's some things two questions i have to battle and this is kind of where we ended last week kind of two questions asked. first question was this what stirs my affections for christ if I asked you what stirs your heart about your kids, you'd probably say, I could watch them do this, looking at pictures, doing this, listening to them laugh. I know uh, especially when he was younger, Noah, when he was a younger child, had a laugh that it didn't matter. Like if you're in a bad mood, he, he laughing just made me laugh. You know what I mean? It is kind of doing that. Sometimes when I hear people laughing, it's almost like an evil. Ooh, aha, I, I don't want to like I'm scared when they laugh. But he had this laugh that was almost just contagious. And the idea, it brought, it stirred up affections. But you think about this. If I'm going to draw closer to Christ with the right kind of heart, I probably need to surround myself with those things that stirs my heart for the things of Christ. If I had to ask you tonight, we're not going to open it up, but if I had asked you tonight, what are some things, what are some places, what are some things in your life that really stir your heart and your affections for Christ? You know, when you're doing it, when you're around it, when you're a part of it, you know what is it that does that that helps you in your walk being more faithful to christ and, and by the way all of us are different you know I, I shared a little bit with you last week i know it sounds crazy but whenever i do these funerals and things especially graveside services i'm a guy that i know it's weird i'll walk around and i read the the tombstones the headstones and i see people that lived long times and i read those that hadn't lived very long especially when i read the death of someone that was younger than i was i wonder to myself man I wonder what happened to them. I wonder if they had children. You know, I start wondering, thinking, hey, that could happen to me. So those things right there immediately stir my heart is, God, life is precious. Life is precious. Life is short. And life is fragile. And it makes me think of those things. Uh, Other things you can think of, like I told you, like I like going outside, looking up at the stars and doing that. I love looking at the sky. You know, the skies proclaim the work of his hands, okay? I love to look at the stars, love to do that, love going outside and doing that kind of stuff um when i want I, it's funny though because i think i'm the only one in my family that likes to do that they're around is like hey you want to go outside and look at the stars and they're like no it's cold and it's dark outside and to me it's just peaceful you know or whatever it is some people really like music i like music i like something about music what it does to my soul some people don't care about music they don't care at all about music. some people uh, like enjoy playing instruments they like enjoy doing certain things i know with me this is kind of just something that i like i like reading the stories in the bible the characters of the bible don't get me wrong i love theology i love deep doctrine i love romans i get it but there's something about reading these old testament characters and how god shows us their absolute flaws and god still uses them it makes me think this maybe god can do something with somebody like me you know what i mean when you see their flaws and you see the things that they can do maybe god can use me And talking about this stirring my heart with affection of Christ, i tell you something that's really helped me in my life. I've kind of slowly shifted away from this mentality of this. Is this right or wrong? That's not really what I do anymore. My mentality now is, will this stir my affection for God, or will this make me go away from God? See, because today we live in a world, well, it isn't wrong. I mean, we can justify a lot of things, right? And I think a lot of times we're like, well, is it right? Is it wrong? But think to yourself, Instead, does it stir my affections for God? Does it help me in that situation? And and you say, well, Phil, there are things that are absolutely right and absolutely wrong. That's correct. I'm not talking about absolute right, absolute wrong. If you go out here and say, Phil, you know what? Lying and coveting my neighbor really draws me closer to God. Well, I can show you chapter and verse, where that's not true, okay? But I'm talking about in your life, those things that draw you closer to him and drawing closer to him with that. But the flip-flop of that question is this, not just what stirs my affections for Christ, but if I'm going to draw near, the second question is, this: what rods my affections for Christ? I think we all know that we can go to places and be around things that really, just to be honest, steals our heart and our mindset for God. I'm not saying you wake up in the morning and you say, well, I can't look at anything, do anything, taste anything, read anything. That all, Everything's got to remind me of God. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this. Have you ever got to the point sometimes in your life where you just look up and you're like, how did I get so wrapped up in this and it didn't really mean anything? You know, I ain't saying, like I said last week, I ain't saying you can't watch TV. I'm not saying you can't binge watch Netflix. I ain't saying you can't do that. But I mean, I remember when I used to get into stuff, man, really get into stuff. I mean, I used to really watch I mean, I love movies. I'd watch that, man. I'd sometimes I begin it so much and I watch them, and I remember thinking, man, I wonder what it'd be like to be Jason Bourne. You know, I'd be doing all those kind of things. Man, I run, and some of you are like, who's Jason Bourne? Don't worry about it. Okay, you know what I mean. Like you get so consumed, or you get so wrapped up into a series of some kind of book or something like that. You know what I mean. You, if you're not careful, it just takes over. You know what I mean. It just takes over, and it's not necessarily wrong. But if you're not careful, it can kind of rob away from that. You know, in the way that we're trying to pursue Christ in those things, and you know, just in the idea of just being careful of this is not. I mean, there's a lot of things we can enjoy. God's given us so many things to enjoy. What I'm saying is, but you've got to be careful about those things that get you so wrapped up that it kind of takes you and draws you away from God. And, and it goes on in the verse to say this, is, is the idea of this. What are some fruits of us drawing closer to God? And that's here in the verse. Look what it says. Let, excuse me, verse 22. Let us draw near with God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, that means this. Full assurance of faith is a fruit of us drawing closer to God. Full assurance of faith simply means this we have full assurance that god is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do you ever been tempted in your life to think is he really gonna do it i think we all have but you know what when it says when i draw near to him with a true heart with a sincere heart my affection is not that my faith is going to be questioned but it's in the moments that your faith is questioned is that you can have that assurance that god is who he is and who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do that's part of it it's getting that idea of that and he goes on to say what and having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience so what happens is this is so so what happens is as we draw near to god and as we pursue those things that stir up our affections for jesus and we kind of shun away from those things that would draw us away from jesus our hearts being sprinkled with a clear conscience means this god begins to change the way we think God begins to change the way we think. Did you see that? It's kind of like this. You should see growth in how you think as you follow Christ. Why? Ephesians talks a lot about what? The Lord renewing the mind, renewing the way that you see the world and the way that you think. And your thoughts matter a whole lot. And, you know, what happens when you draw near to God and you have this full assurance that God is who he says he is and and those things and God starts changing the way you think, it ultimately leads to this. It changes the way you behave look what it says in the end of the verse and our bodies washed with pure water that understanding is this is that we don't change and i guess there's a better way of saying it we don't change the way we behave before we come to christ we come to christ he changes the way we think therefore changes the way we behave okay uh let me just use this example an alcoholic doesn't need to change his life or her life before they come to god they come to god and god starts working on them and freeing them from that you can take in whatever kind of addiction you can take in whatever kind of sin but this mindset that we have to be so careful of that the hebrews had was i got to clean this up before i can get to him and jesus as i know i've been saying this a lot lately it's just something on my mind you got to remember that jesus is not in love with some future better version of you He's in love with who you are right now, but he wants to make you into who he wants you to be. That's what sanctification is. That's what the process is. And, you know, and the idea of this and the way it plays out is that we come to Christ with a pure heart and God changes the way we think, therefore changes our behavior in that. Now, I know that's scary to a lot of people because I know here lately a lot of been preaching about grace and grace and grace and grace. And people are like, Phil, all you're doing is giving people a license to go get drunk live ungodly worldly lives you keep preaching that grace stuff that's not what it's about what it's about is this if i come to jesus with a heart that's desiring to please him desiring to know him knowing what i know about myself jesus is going to change the way i think about things he's going to change the way i behave in certain ways and that he starts doing the work it's not a license to sin grace isn't a license to sin grace is giving us the inlet to say i want to live this way i want to think this way i want to change i want to do that and so when we look at it here we come to him and he changes our mind it changes our action so we draw near to him we run to him he opens the gate and as it talks about if you've been here the last few weeks was it say about the veil he he has torn the veil by the way how did he refer to the veil his own flesh so that he separated the separation from god has been torn his body was torn so that we can come to him and just think about what stirs your affections for god but keep in mind there's going to be things that's robbed your affections for god the next point i'll see is this so not only let us let us draw near but secondly and i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because i really want to get to verse 24 and all every time wednesday night my time just flies away okay is this but number uh, the next one is this let us hold fast look in verse 23 let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering okay so Like I said, we're going to go over this, but understanding this. He says, let us hold fast what? Our profession. I've been going over this in Hebrews for a lot of you. What is our profession? Ready? Jesus paid it all. There is nothing you can do to merit salvation. Let me make it a little more personal for us that are saved. Jesus paid it all. There's no work, no sacrifice, nothing you can throw on the altar that's going to make God love you any more or make God any happier with you. But we do that, don't we? we feel guilty so i'm going to sacrifice this 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 and this and i'm going to bring it to god and throw it on god i'm going to do this this and this for and god's like sin has been paid i want your heart i don't want your actions i don't want your money i want your heart that's what i want jesus paid it all and we have to remember that is hold fast to that profession because here's the thing we're going to sing all the time and talk like salvation is christ plus nothing minus nothing but we're going to live with a conscience that says, man, I'm just, I just let God down. I'm such a disappointment to God. And because I'm disappointment to God, God, I promise you, I'm going to be in church every time the doors open. God, I'm going to put an extra this in the offering plate. And God, I'm going to go do this. And God, I'm going to go do that. And God, God just says, just give me you. You're, you're what I want. God's not short on, you know, people showing up for church. He's not short on the, the giving. He's not short on those things. And it's saying, hold fast to your profession in the way that you live. It's not the cross minus your behavior or plus your devotion or any other thing. Because here's why. And here's the danger and probably the way a lot of us grew up. When we start l- kind of living a life by our actions that says it's Christ plus anything, we're kind of giving grounds to judge people in a very sinful way. Well, God must not be happy with them because they didn't show up did today. Ooh okay i know that was a fun one okay god must be happy with them today because they're doing this and you know what god may not be pleased god may be pleased or not pleased but that's not the situation because that mentality is that it's grace plus something this is what it does the mentality of christianity doesn't need to be that we're standing next to the cross telling people get right before you can come it's we're already on our knees in front of the cross saying hey man there's plenty of room here join me that's the mentality the mentality is we're all broken we're all messed up in certain ways, and we shouldn't have these sta- Yeah, we have things that God expects out of us. Don't get me wrong. But to understand this whole point is the idea that we should be kneeling at the cross. People see us there saying, hey, come join me, not me sitting there going, hey, you know, if you want to come to Christ, you better change this, 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 and this. He does a whole lot better job of being the Holy Spirit than I do. He does so <laughs> much better at it. All right? So that's all on that point, okay? And by the way, a wonderful thing why we should hold to the profession is the end of verse number 23. Why should I constantly live that it, Jesus paid it all? Because he's faithful, that promise. I can promise you things, but I'm going to guess there's going to be a chance I mess up. You ever thought about this? God has never broken a promise. Ever. All of his existence, which is hard to explain. He's never, never broken a promise. He's faithful in that. And then the, the third point of the lettuce we got to is let us consider one another. Now, this is kind of big for us to see today, okay? Verse 24, and let us consider one another to provoke, uh, provoke unto love and to good works. So because Jesus has torn the veil, because Jesus has paid it all, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Let us hold fast our profession. But he also says this here. He says, let us, 24, consider one another to provoke one another Unto good works. There's a great message here because everybody runs to verse 25 and just starts getting mad about church attendance. Okay? Verse 24 is really good. You want to know what verse 24 is saying? Let us figure out how to do life with each other and figure out a way that we can stimulate and push each other on m- and t- towards more love and towards more good deeds. That's the goal. That's what it is. It's not so I can check off whether or not you show up or not. He said, let's figure out a way, as we as a body of believers here, let's figure out a way that we can do this thing called life together. And in the process, let's encourage one another. Let's provoke one another in the right way. Why? To more love than you already are showing and to more good deeds than you're already doing. Problem is, I'm fine with the amount of love I have, and I'm fine with how much I'm doing. But God's saying, that's the great thing about us getting together. Provoke us, encourage us, push on us. To love more love people more than we love them to love god more than we love them to love this book more than we love it to love worship more than we love to love praying more than we love praying but also into good works i want to ask this but i want to ask it in the right way hopefully since the time you've come to emmanuel however long if you've been here long time or a short amount of time hopefully in the process here not just the holy spirit hopefully you've had other people around you that have encouraged you and pushed on you to love more than what you have to go further in your christian walk more to love christ more to love people more and also hopefully been encouraged to what to do more for god because he's worthy that's that's the point of it that's what it's saying now you say phil that's great how do i provoke how do we provoke one another to more love, more good works? How do we do that? Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, the word exhorting there means encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All right. I'm going I'm to do what a lot of preachers will not tell you, okay, even though I think a lot of us feel that way. This verse, there's a big misconception about this there's a big misconception about what church is um can i tell you what this is not talking about it's not talking about attendance a lot of people think well this just means make sure you're here every time the doors are open all right can i can i tell you something just because you come to church don't mean you're really a part of the church now you might be a part of the the church you know the body of christ but just because you come if i'm just saying if if you come and sit and listen to preaching and go back out and live your life then you're not really a part of what he's wanting us to do here if that makes sense okay and you're saying well great that means i don't have to come Uh, once again we have to back up to a few verses you know let's draw with our heart and understand that but what i want us to understand is that the church is not just a gathering of christians to listen to preaching it's not what it is the church is the gathering of men and women Who kind of have a covenant together that you know what, we're going to do this thing called the Christian life together. I have known and been part of churches that the only time you saw or spoke to anybody inside of the church was just on Sundays during the service. Like, actually, when you left here, you live your life, you live my life, and Lord help us to never ever overlap. That's not a church. That's so not church. That's not what God means. That's not a family. That's not what it means there. I mean, that's a place you gather, but that's not necessarily what it means. A- and I understand here that what God's called us to hear is not just for us to come together. The idea here is that, yes, we want the word of God preached, but we want to be a part of what's going on. We don't just want to be, hey, I come, hey, I sit, hey, I do that. No, the idea is that we want to come and be a part of it. It's not just being here for it, because in, uh, understanding this is that, and I'm not worried about that here, because you're like, Phil, it's Wednesday night, we're here, man, so we're in. I, I get it, okay? Maybe just put this in your bank. But help yourself to never get to the mentality, I will wonder how they're going to cater to me. What programs do they have? Programs are great, Okay? Programs done the right way are great. But if your mentality is, what are they going to do for me? You're going to be disappointed in church all your life. Because it doesn't say, and let us consider one another to have them provoke me unto good works. But it says, let us provoke one another. That means I'm on the offensive. I'm looking for that person to encourage. I'm looking for that person to do that. You know, it's, instead, it's having the mentality of this, hey, I may not like everything that's done. I might have different preferences. I may not care about this, but my mentality is this. Let's reach people with the gospel. Let's help people in their walk with Christ, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. That's the main thing. That's the main thing that has to be done. Because I will tell you, you will always find a gathering of believers that has nicer this, nicer that, more this, more. You're always going to find that. But that shouldn't be the goal. Instead, it's, hey, let's learn the word let's help people reach people with the word and hey let's do this let's go get people and tell them about this christ that we have think about this is it better to say hey we want to tell you about this great program we have or hey i'd love to have you come in here about this great christ that we have there's a difference like i said there's nothing wrong with with bells and whistles there's nothing wrong with that but i'm just saying the thing is and, and we like that you know but the idea is, and we like programs, we have programs here, but, but also, I understand this, we, it's kind of like this, I'm not married to my preferences here at Emmanuel. You know what I mean? I'm not here because, man, the style of music is exactly the style of music I want. The style of preaching is the exact style of preaching I like. I like screens, I don't like screens, I like green carpet. I don't, you know, we're not here for the preferences, you know what I mean? I'm guessing we all have a lot of different preferences in this room probably we all don't share them okay <laughs> but we probably have all a lot of different preferences but what we have to understand is this is that we can't be married and our covenant to be here together is not based on our preferences it's got to be based on god's word and reaching people for christ and helping each other as we go forward in our walk with christ you know we, we that's got to be the mindset we can't get off task with the different things you know um and i'm not saying that you know you that people don't frustrate you you know uh i've heard someone say one time that we know what the bad thing about more people in a church is more people more problems right um don't raise your hand on this but i wrote an example down okay okay all right have you ever found yourself in church not here i know or in a sunday school class or in a bible study or in a prayer time and you just thought to yourself, man, I don't even like these people that I'm sitting here with, man. I don't even like these people, you know. I'm just going to go find me a new place because I don't even like them. Or maybe there's that one person that they grate at your every last fiber. And you're just like, I just, I don't know, Lord. And, and you just, just kind of, man, they just grate at me, you know, with everything that's in me. But see, the understanding that we have to come to that we're going to exhort one another— is that we're all going to be different? We have a lot of different preferences, but we got one really awesome thing in common. That's our salvation in Christ, and hopefully, our love of wanting to go forward for Him, and draw closer. That's going to be it, you know. Because I mean, we have to understand. I, I'm fully aware that there's going to be people that don't like me. I can't imagine that human being walking the face of the earth. There's going to be people that don't like me. I'm not going to like some other people. I probably shouldn't say that but you know i may not like some other people but here's the thing god's commanded us to do as believers let's do this thing called life together but you got to be careful because it's going to be messy there's going to be fights there's going to be things that are selfish and there's going to be times when somebody's not acting right and you're going to have to encourage and exhort them unto good works and unto love and try to draw them back you're going to have to do that. And that's what we're going to have to do. Some of y'all are still thinking about that person that grates on your nerves. Hopefully you do not thinking that too much. But anyhow. You know, I think sometimes, and I've been guilty of it in my past, like that, is like that person that grates on your nerves, and you can take and leave it for what it's worth With this. Sometimes I contend that maybe it's because of that person they grate on my nerves. Sometimes it might be me. It might be my pride. So, anyway, I always use the example of this. Like uh, when I went to college, I found out something. The guys I shared the dorm room with, let's just say the level of laziness and unclean uncleanness found its way. I shared a dorm room. My first, I mean, I had my own bedroom all my life. I loved that i had a waterbed that wasn't filled all the way so i liked it i felt like i just was bobbing on the ocean i mean i loved it i go off to bible college and i get army barracks is what i get i get basically this little bitty bed and bunk beds in there two sets of bunk beds two chester drawers now there's four people two chester drawers four beds two closets so i'm sitting there going okay god you want me here I am not the cleanest person in the world, but I found out there's some very, very unclean people and unorganized people in this world. And to find out how lazy some people are. You know, this, this, uh, I mean, at our, at our college, we had like every day other than Saturday, I think no Saturday, not Sunday, Monday through Friday, we had room check. Thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. Every day when I left, I had it, the bed was made just right the pillow was there everything was neatly underneath the bunk it wasn't like you know it didn't look like the hamper exploded you know and we only had jobs like my job maybe washing the our bathroom doing the sinks or doing the toilets or vacuuming or doing those kind of things had to do that and always on purpose I would not take a seven o'clock class you know why because I discovered if I take a seven o'clock class and my idiot of a roommate has an eight o'clock class, then what he'll do is throw his dirty clothes on uh, my bed or he'll mess up the sink and I'll get demerits for it. So I found out pretty quick. I dropped every seven o'clock class I had after the first week. I said, I will go to class at eight. But what I'm saying is I found out in that moment, there are other people that want to learn about God, want to learn how to go into the ministry, all that stuff. But they don't live exactly the same way I live. And I had a choice. I could learn how to get along with them or I could kill them. (laughs) Since killing them really wasn't a prerequisite for fulfilling Bible college, I had to learn how to what? We had to learn how to get together. We had to learn how to exist together. And I want to encourage us: is that in a church, in a body, not everybody's going to agree with you have the same preferences as you but we are supposed to do this we're supposed to consider one another and we're supposed to what exhort provoke each other to what love and good works let me just ask you this question in the body of believers that we have here how much do you encourage people provoke people to go forward in their love and their work for god And how much are you wanting it done to you? See, the mentality is this. Can I tell you something? As long as I'm looking for someone to encourage me, looking for someone to encourage me, looking, man, my my emotional level is like a roller coaster. But can I tell you some of the highest times I get emotionally and spiritually is not when I'm looking for somebody to help me. It's when I go out and help somebody else. And can I tell you even better than that? When I am hurt, when i am offended whenever i'm cast down when something's wrong and i determine in that moment i'm going to look for someone else to encourage god seems to make that joy just sweeter than it's ever been and if you've done that before where you've been hurt you've been wounded you needed someone to help you and instead you returned the favor and you exhorted you helped you did that you just find the man that joy that god gives you in helping other people it almost takes care of your problems almost takes care of those things that you have in your life and those things that bother you and and to understand that. So, you know, it's it's worth us fighting for. It's worth us doing to have this relationship with one another. You know, I I view it like this. You know, I have relationships with all of you that go to our church. And I kind of did a little study the other day, give or take, once a month at least, we have about 173 people that go to our church at least one service a month. It is hard to keep up with all those people. Can I just tell you that? But can I tell you something? Every one of those people in their spiritual life and spiritual battle are worth fighting for. They're worth getting in the ditches with them when they're hurt. It's worth whenever they get messed up and on their own. It's worth getting in there trying to help them say, hey, let's go together through this. Let's get back on the right path together with this. Because one of the worst places to go whenever you're hurt, whenever you're offended, and you need help as church sometimes because sometimes the church shoots its own wounded we kick them out we kick them to the curb and that's when they need the grace that's when they need the love that's when they need you to pour out and to exhort one another exhort means to build up it means to encourage And, and, and you know and i agree i mean i'm a i'm a texter i like to text people but you know what i also learned that the only way i encourage people is just shooting them a text saying hey i'm praying for you i'm missing the bar i mean that's good but, man, it's more, doing more. What can I do more to help people in that way? So, and as we looked at this, you know, this whole idea, is God says we have these things, so let us do these things. He's, so we have these things in Christ, so it ought to let us what? We ought to draw near to God. And let me just ask you tonight, and, I, and I'm done. What is it that's robbing your affection for Christ? You know that you are closer to God and you have more of a heart for God in a certain day than maybe you do now what is it that's taking it away is it something in your daily routine i ain't saying again that we can't relax and we don't need our own time i get it but be careful those things that rob your affection for god and strive for those things that stir it up you know i was just thinking to myself one of the things that really stirs my heart for god is going over here to sunday school i love that setting i don't know if you caught on to this i'm a lot more comfortable down there than i am up here i i enjoy that more i feel like very nervous here always have but my idea is i love that and just seeing everybody and and seeing how you're hungry and when i hear you sing and those things man to me that just encouraged me it stirs my affections for god to see that when i hear stories about how god's using you and you're like man it stirs my affections for god but we got to be careful if we're going to draw near to him we got to draw near to him with a sincere heart with a true heart what what stirs your affections but also what does the opposite but also it says let us hold fast our profession let's not say with our mouth jesus paid it all and live our lives as if i got to do this and do this and do this and do this to make god happy remember if we come to god god changes our thinking which changes our behavior and then he takes care of that but also with that idea is that would let us figure out a way that we can live this thing called life. Rachel jokes with me sometimes. She says, "You know what? You text people, you call people, you talk to people. People don't want to see you. You know, you're you're just too much in that." And, and I know what she means. Rachel's not as much of an extrovert as I am. She's a little more quiet. But you know what? My thing is this: if our relationships narrow down to Wednesdays and Sundays, we don't really have a relationship we're acquaintances now some of you are really scared about what i'm going to do now like i'm coming no, but what i mean is this let's do this thing together here's what because we're going to need each other let's celebrate the high times let's get on our faces for god in the low times let's help people that are struggling with things but you know let's figure out how to do this and in the process hey let's exhort i encourage you when you come to church sunday ask God, God, who is it you want me to provoke unto good works and to love today? Who could I provoke? Imagine that would be like. Imagine you're sitting, you're standing in the back and people are coming in. And you're like, hey, I'm going to talk to him. No, 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 don't talk to him, man. I I was going to talk to I was going to encourage that person. Don't really ever have that problem much in church. Do we? But, man, I want to do that. Man, I want to do that. I want to help him. I want to do that. But let's do this, and let's not neglect that because you want to know the number one reason why people leave a church it's not because they don't feel like they're getting fed like preaching or teaching don't feel welcome basically don't feel like anybody cares may god help us not be that way in that may we show care and whenever we feel like we're not receiving care may maybe god use as a kick to the butt to say hey let's start showing it to other people God takes care of the rest he, I mean he he's faithful right he's faithful that promised in these things so we have so let us let's pray oh I'm sorry, Joe, go ahead.